Hello and welcome to Soldier's Podcast, episode number 126. I'm Schmitty. I'm Stark. I'm Zoner. I'm Dr. Squishy. I'm Alexander. And I'm Zook. And we got a full crowd on hand here this week. We got an entire... A full house, I think, is actually the phrase. I think I screwed that up again. It is a full house. There's two little girl blonde girls over in the corner somewhere. I do not want to hear about your personal problems. <laughs> um, shout out to our sponsors. Special thanks to our friends over at truckradio.net, cryptonradio.com, openbookaudio.com, and stitcher.com. Once again, we are less than two weeks away from Salt Lake Comic Con. Yes, we bring this up every time because it is important and you do not have a ticket yet. I know And it. they are still, still, still adding guests. I know. We are having guests coming out of the woodwork. This thing is going to be epic. Prices are not going up, despite the fact that the value is going up every time. Three-day pass, only 50 bucks. Only 50 bucks, people. A three-day VIP pass. This includes special line treatment if you want to get in line for autographs and interviews. Uh, and sorry, not interviews, photo ops. We want interviews. You want photo ops is still unbelievably affordable. If you are anywhere near the Salt Lake City area the first weekend in September, you owe it to yourself to come down to Salt Lake Comic Con at Delta Center, uh, 5th, 6th, and 7th of September. And if you're not, you owe it to yourself to come down anyway. Actually, it's the Salt Palace, not the Delta Center. Yes. Yes, Salt Palace. They upgraded. You know, we've already uh, restarted this episode once. I'm not going to go back and edit that. No. <laughs> just, just ignore nearly everything I say. What? <laughs> Speaking of guests, though, they just added the Fawns this week. Hey! <laughs> wow, that, that wasn't expected at all. Is there going to be a shark for him to jump over? I will bring one. We need to bring a stolen droid shark. <laughs> I hope so. I want to see that so badly. Anyway, come on out. I mean, it's just going to be huge. If, and honestly, if you can't devote all three days, just come for Saturday. You know, it will be worth it. It'll be worth the time. It'll be worth the money. You owe it to yourself. If you can't make it out to Salt Lake, uh, out to San Diego Comic Con, come to the Salt Lake Comic Con. Again, we'll be at booth J12. We want to see you. We'll be recording. We're going to have uh, some swag. Um, and really, we just want to feel popular and have people come see us and sign our yearbook. Please like us. Uh, now, into our headlines, we are recording a day later than normal. And at Which first, is probably a good thing. Well, yeah, at first we were kind of unsure about doing that because we've fallen you know, off the wagon before. But this time, it turns out it was a good thing. At the time we'd normally be recording, uh, Dr. Squishy there text messaged me some interesting news. And then this morning, some more interesting news came out. So we're going to cover that first because it is still mildly breaking. And uh, the first one is that an very unexpected challenger has arisen to take the role of Batman in the upcoming Batman Superman movie. Adam West is coming back. <laughs> Kevin Conroy is coming back. We, we, we've talked about that. Kevin Conroy might be actually a lot of fun, except for the fact he looks kind of anemic. But no, Ben Affleck has been t- t- tasked, and and this is official. This is uh, Warner Brothers has announced it. Ben Affleck will be Batman. It's not a rumor. And the nerd rage explodes on the internet. So when, when Daredevil receives his sight back, he uh, dones the bat cape. Well, but let's be <laughs> honest. Can you think of the last bit of casting news or director news attached to any kind of comic book movie that wasn't met with nerd rage, with the exception of Joss Whedon directing Avengers? I mean, really... The internet has a tenant freaking out over everything. I saw some interesting articles today that uh, referenced comments about Michael Keaton when he was cast as Batman back in 88, I guess, and just the rage and how dare they cast someone like this as Batman. He's going to be horrible. Remember a few years ago with Daniel Craig? How dare we have a Bond to Batman? James Bond. Come James Bond, excuse me. Excuse me. <laughs> uh, blonde Batman, how dare we? No, the internet is not a bastion of calm and reason and patience. It's reactionary and angry. I say we cast uh, Daniel Craig as Batman and have a Bond Batman. But, Ooh, I like that. You can do the fighting. Now, I, I, I would like to point Kidding. out something here. I, in the day, was a huge Ben Affleck fan. Uh, and I'm a huge... In the day, yeah. He, he made a few day. core Yesterday. choices. 
Um, and, and he admits it as well. When he when he won an Oscar for, uh, for Argo, he, he admitted in his acceptance speech that, you know, his he thought his career was dead and it has come back to this. I'm also a huge Daredevil fan, not the movie, the character. And I know a lot of people on the internet are screaming about what a horrible movie that was. We're just going to expect that again. And my honest feeling is, is that Ben Affleck's actually a decent actor. However, he was in a lot of crap movies. You can't you mention Geely. Well, okay, Reindeer Games, that was pretty bad. And, Paycheck. And Paycheck. Okay, but let's let's be honest. Did you actually see Geely? No. No. I saw no, half no of it. No one did. I saw Everyone half of it. just heard that it was horrible, and I I believe that it's horrible. The problem is with all this rage about Affleck's casting choices. All of them are for movies about ten years ago. Mm-hmm. Reindeer Games, I think he made in '99 or 2000. Daryl was 2003, same year as Julie. I mean, what are we going to rip on him for? Forces of Nature. I mean, all I have to say is see the town. And yeah. that, that Argo Tastigies directed Gone Be Gone. He had one of the best in half his career, and pretty good. I'm still willing to. I'm still going to be there in line to go see this Batman movie just because of how much of a nerd I am. But Michael Keaton didn't turn out to be too bad. George well, Clooney kind of was meh. But I, I'm willing to at least watch him. I'm willing to go see him as Batman and see how it goes. Well, Alexander and I were talking about this before before we started recording, and I kind of brought up the fact that if you go back and watch Daredevil, really watch it. You know, forget the fact that it's a crap movie. Um, and, and watch Ben Affleck as Daredevil. Daredevil has one of the most restricting costumes of any superhero. Um, the costume is poorly designed in general. It doesn't translate well from comic book to, to screen. Even his eyes are blacked out. All you can see is his mouth. You know, and up his nose. That is it. It's not a great costume for that. And yet, somehow, Affleck has the skill to, uh, I don't even know the word I'm, I'm looking for, but, it's kind of like it's kind of like the problem they had with Master Chief and Halo. How do you identify with a character who you never see? It's the same thing with a lot of comic book costumes. How do you identify with an actor or a character? And yet you were able to with Daredevil, looking at just his mouth. He can do it. Well, the thing is with Ben Affleck, his chin is perfect for the role. You, <laughs> I'm serious. <laughs> you look at him. I thought Aaron Eckhart would have been awesome for Captain America because he's got an awesome chin. No, if you're right. You, you look at the cowl and you just think, yeah. Chin, if you if, if that's what you see is just the mouth and the chin, you've got to have somebody who has a good mouth and chin. And I'm not going to comment on his mouth, but he does have a good chin for the role. I'm still out on the fence regarding whether or not this is going to be a horrible, horrible mistake or an awesome success. But I I understand people are, are comparing, you know, this to Daredevil, because Batman and Daredevil share a lot of similarities. But I want my five bucks back for Daredevil. That was a horrible movie, but... You can't really blame him, can you? Because it was just a horrible movie all around. I like Daredevil. I thought it was a good movie, and not just for Jennifer Garner's costuming. I thought it had pretty good action when you realize the guy who directed it, the only movie he directed before was Simon Birch. Remember the movie about the two little boys? I mean, it it had a lot going against it. It was a period when comic book movies were right on the cusp of being taken seriously. And I think it's really unfairly hated on. A good actor in a good costume is going to go ahead and even take a poor script and, and, and make it go very well. I mean, a, a good point where, where, where I think it, this comes in, and I don't think the script was bad because I thought the story was very well done, was Carl Urban as Judge Dredd. That, the first Judge Dredd movie bombed. One of the, one of the biggest reasons for that is because of the fact that they, they, they took away the, the character components, which was the costume. And Carl Urban's character kept the, kept the helmet on, kept the costume going, and the fans ate it up. The fans who knew that character ate it up. I think if Affleck can do the same thing, he could probably pull it off. If you think about it, they really aren't casting Batman. They're casting Bruce Wayne. 
Batman's yeah. going to be, for half the time you see him on screen, he's probably going to be either Affleck's stunt double, or he's going to be G, or he's just going to be covered in a costume and you can't see him anyway. Think about him as Bruce Wayne. Very intelligent, ladies' man. Public person being a little bit cocky, but on the inside, you kind of get that there's some insecurity there. I think he's a fantastic choice as Bruce Wayne. And if the the recent history has taught us anything, I mean, what, in uh, Dark Knight Rises, Batman was on screen for like 20-something minutes, a near three-hour movie. beat up the entire you know, time. Bruce... Yeah, you know, Iron Man. Iron Man was on screen for less than a quarter of the movie. You know, think about the alter ego. And being cast as Bruce Wayne, I think it's a great choice. I actually... The other reason... And I actually wrote a uh, post about this on uh, Stolen Droids this morning. The other reason I love it, just from a casting perspective, is I was afraid that they were going to go with a relative unknown for Batman or for Bruce Wayne, and then would probably have to go for some stunt casting for Lex Luthor. This allows them to go a little bit smaller, where Affleck is the main star who's going to carry the franchise, really. And they can go a little bit better with some of the choices and not have to get an A-list guy for Luther. But in a Superman movie, don't you want Superman to be the main star? Shouldn't Henry Cavill be the guy carrying this franchise at this point? However, it's actually a Batman movie. Well, no, no, no it's, it's, a, it's Superman a Superman movie. movie. He's right. It's a sequel to Man of Steel. And they're just throwing in Batman to try to prep for some maybe, if you could, maybe... Have a Justice League movie? Matt Damon is Aquaman. Make it happen. <laughs> I want Firestorm, please. Please okay. want Firestorm. There's, a, there's, another, there's another geek podcast that who I shall not name, but the listeners will know who they are, that's based out of Utah as well. They have suggested, and I, I'm sorry, guys, I'm stealing this because I think it's brilliant, Danny McBride as Aquaman. It actually works. <laughs> Danny, Danny McBride. Curly mullet, mustache, and all. Oh, dear. Who's Danny Google McBride? Um, in, any, in any case, he'd he say it as a joke, but I think it'd be hilarious. Now, I don't know if, if we need to talk about this anymore. I think, I think we're all kind of under the... I think we're all in agreement that if the movie fails, it's not just because they put Ben Affleck in it. You know, one actor alone cannot kill an entire movie, unless the actor also happens to be the director, producer, or screenwriter, and casting agent. Um... Which has happened in Hollywood and has killed some movies. Well, you know, it, that just actually made me wonder, is this setting the groundwork for Affleck to take over? Because he's an amazing director. Are we going to see him start directing the Batman franchises at this point? Or future Superman movies? You're going to hear those rumors, but no. He was actually offered Man of Steel and turned it down. Uh, offered the director's chair for Man of Steel. He took it down because he didn't feel he could do the act well enough. You're going to hear rumors of after doing second unit stuff where he was put in there to scare off Zack Snyder. But no, from a visual standpoint, uh, he's a uh, piece kind of director. I, I, I worry about anyone taking over the Batman franchise too soon. I mean, look how long it was between um, Schumacher into Nolan. I think that was a good amount of time between the movies, and not just because we were all had a really horrible taste in our mouth from the Schumacher movies, but we just finished off Dark Knight Rises. I don't think we need another Batman-only franchise for at least another five years. And that's why I think this is a great choice, because it's going to end up being about four years between Dark Knight Rises and Batman vs. Superman. And as we mentioned, it's not a Batman movie. It's a Superman in a or Batman in a Superman movie. So it lets you bring in the new world, the new guy, without him having to carry the whole thing. And you know, there doesn't have to be a backstory because we already know who he is. Just let him be the guy. See, I think it's a bad idea to bring in an A-lister for just uh, you know what is really going to be a side part. I mean, it's it's a shared uh, shared protagonist film, you know, with both Superman and Batman, and I I don't know, I think that bringing in an A-lister with all of that extra baggage, particularly somebody like uh, Ben Affleck, not that I have any particular animus against him, I think that, I mean, it's already generated a lot of uh, 
negative mojo around the film, and, and we, I mean, it could be a brilliant film, but we, we, all we're hearing about is all this negativity. I mean, they could have said, well, we've decided uh, to put in Henry Cavill as Batman, and I would have thought, oh, well, that's an unorthodox choice, you know, having the same actor as both Superman and Batman, but I'm excited to see where they take it, you know, but when they say, I'm putting in this uh, A-lister Ben Affleck with all of this baggage... You know, the immediate response is not going to be overwhelmingly positive, as we've seen. Well, I think we're still looking at the knee-jerk response. Uh, I mean, it is we are literally less than 24 hours since they announced it. You know, I, I don't think... Uh, the people who think it's a good idea haven't had a really a good chance to weigh in on it. The only people who have really had a chance to hit the air, as it were, are the people who live on it. And they're typically not directors, screenwriters. <laughs> we know who they are. They still write Microsoft M dollar sign. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I I read uh, Warner Brothers press release when they ended and the, right up front and center they were very clear with the only thing that they really care about. They mentioned that Man of Steel has grossed over $600 million rising. It's got Blu-ray D to look forward to in a couple more weeks. That's the only thing they care about. You know, if uh, the Transformers series has taught us anything, it's that Hollywood doesn't care about the fans. They care about making money. And the fact that they made $400 million, if you take out the budget, you know, they, they know that this gives the movie a lot of credibility. It brings a couple different people into the, uh, the theater who might not have seen a normal superhero movie. Um, and... All will be forgiven next year at Hall H at Comic-Con when we see the first footage. Because uh, you know Affleck's going to rock at Comic-Con. He's got that credibility. But, uh, I, yeah, I, I agree with you, Zook. This is just, it's the knee-jerk reaction. And everyone who's complaining about this movie can't wait to buy the ticket so they can then go home and write angry things on their blog about it. But Warner Brothers will have gotten their money. Oh, I, I'm... Uh- I'm still, I'm so there. I will say this, and I, I think we need to move on, but I'll leave it with this. I am most excited to see how they merge the two people together. We've grown up on the Justice League cartoons and the Batman Superman adventures and whatnot. We see it in animated form all the time. That's easy to do. If you compare Man of Steel and that special effect brawl fest that is the last half of the movie and compare it with Christian Bale in a rubber suit getting his butt handed to him, one-on-one with a villain you can't understand in Dark Knight Rises. Those are two very different styles, and I'm interested to see how the director, how uh, the director of cinematography, everyone, is able to merge these two very different heroes, two very different visual styles together. My real takeaway thought from this is the summer of 2015 is going to be the greatest summer in geek history. Oh, yeah. That summer... We've got now Batman, Superman, we know is going to happen. It's going to be a list. We've Avengers 2 that's going to happen, The Rise of Ultron. That's going to be awesome. And we've got a little movie called Star Wars Episode 7 coming that same summer. So, yeah, some movie theaters are going to do really good business that summer. So, invest in stocks of Cinemark. That's my, uh, my business popcorn. tip of the day. Yeah, buy shares uh, of popcorn. popcorn. Zoner, uh, how are you feeling? You're our other comic guy. How are you feeling about this after talking? <laughs> well, you know, I, I'm still on the fence. I, I think, you know, like you said, it's knee-jerk reaction. Um, I'm still pissed about Daredevil because I really, you know, I grew up reading the Frank Miller Daredevil comics, so I'm really kind of pissed that, that that movie just didn't meet my expectations. However, you kind of hit on it. Nothing at that time really had the credibility that it needed. Comic book movies were on the cusp of becoming what they are now. But, you know, Ben Affleck, he's done some good movies. He's done some bad movies. He does bring credibility. Um, just got to wait and see. I, I don't think that anybody can say that this is a horrible choice or, or a great choice. I mean, just just got to, time will tell. Yep. All right, um, let's move on here to more DC news. How original. Uh, we're, we're almost a third of the way into the show already. Yeah. DC has decided to release a redesign as part of their new uh, 52. Lobo, the main man. 
Um, doesn't look so mean anymore. Um, he looks tame. He's well manicured. It, it, he was twilight-ized. I just invented a word. He was twilight-ized. And you can't look at this picture and not know exactly what I mean. So he's sparkly? Oh. The, the classic... Yeah. The classic version of Lobo always looks kind of sticky. He looks like if you touched him, there'd be a film on his skin of just grime. Anyone else feel like the floor of a taxi cab? Yeah, Lobo looks like the floor of a, of a New York taxi cab on New Year's Eve. This guy looks like they took Edward from Twilight, dipped him in some gray paint, and threw him through an S&M club. Well, and the thing is, for those of you who aren't familiar with the Lobo character, he's an intergalactic biker bounty hunter, big cigar hanging out of his mouth. He's burly, he's, like Squishy just said, looks sticky. Um, this... This is like complete opposite of what Lobo should be. DC obviously hates their fans. I, <laughs> uh, I don't know what I don't know what they're doing there. They they really are just perplexing me. I do they want to fail because they're. Uh, it's kind of, it, it kind of looks like whoever was tasked with redesigning it said, "Hmm, Lobo checkpoints does not wear sleeves." Okay, done. <laughs> <laughs> you know, it's like they just took Ryan Seacrest and made him Lobo. Yes! <laughs> it, it seems like a lot of the New 52 has been trying to make comic book characters more pretty. The, the worst offender of this, in my opinion, has been what they did with Amanda Waller. If you remember Amanda Waller from the old cartoons or from the comic books, Amanda Waller was a fat black woman. Uh, just and, and, yeah, I mean, she wore business, you know, the, the pet suits with the big shoulder pads. She was a big girl. She was voiced by CCH Pounder and looked kind of like Oprah when she'd fallen off the food wagon. But in the New 52, they decided to make her a slender, pretty, young woman, which I really didn't like. So it's just their way of trying to make all their characters pretty and attractive, which isn't appealing to the comic book reader who isn't pretty, thin, or attractive in general. Or the average comic book yeah. reader. Yeah, Dan DiDio from DC just needs to get the hell away. I'm I'm so sick of that guy. He just needs to go The Zonor rage is high with this one. Yeah, The New 52 has not been a massive success, in my opinion. There have been some really good points, but uh, not enough to have almost sort of relaunched their whole... Hey guys, guys, I have a great idea. They canceled Firestorm when Firestorm was uh, just getting... I have a great shoot. idea. Let's let's get Catwoman to strip throughout our entire initial episode, and then we'll shoot her execution style. Okay. Sure, why not? Spoilers. I thought that already came out. It did, like six months ago. And she's only sort of dead. Have I not expanded past that window of spoilerage? Eh, you're fine. Another another word I just created. Okay, um, off of comic book news for now, uh, into some Microsoft news. Uh, this was the headline that came out this morning. It really surprised a lot of people. Microsoft announced, well, actually, Steve Ballmer, CEO of Microsoft, announced that he will be stepping down from Microsoft and retiring within the next 12 months. Now, Ballmer is crazy. I don't mean because of this. I mean he's just crazy in general. Google the words Ballmer crazy plenty of fodder there. You'll be able to see it. But, he has led Microsoft through some of the biggest advancements they've made uh, rather successfully, actually. Even as the tech bubble is collapsing, even as the rise of tablets overtook Microsoft, um, even as Apple became a huge dominating player, at least in the consumer market, Ballmer has managed to hold it together. So I think we've all kind of allowed him a little bit of crazy. You know, if you're successful, it doesn't really matter how you act. People accept it anyway. Now, what this means for Microsoft in the future, I don't know. I think they're being kind of wise in how they're handling it. Uh, what happened when Apple's lost jobs is uh, Tim Cook just had to suddenly fill the role. Uh, the reason they're giving the whole 12-month window thing is because this way he has time to groom his replacement. Well, I was going to ask, do you think he's going to go hog wild in his last... 12 months because he know he knows he's not gonna have to worry about it after a certain time or he's insane he's not stupid okay yeah, he, he, he's still he's still gonna be a member of the board um, he 
he has quite a bit of stock in the company. Yeah, he has a vested interest in Microsoft doing well. He's yeah. not out to sink it. The only the only difference between um, his situation and Jobs is Jobs was grooming his second-in-command for years, and I don't think Microsoft has had any plans for a second-in-command. So, yeah. Well, Ballmer was the second-in-command. Yeah. So, you know, there's that. I, I think... I don't know. I know that Tim Cook was always known he was going to be Jobs' replacement. I know Jobs always knew that he was eventually going to succumb to his cancer, um, and that role would have to pass Tim Cook. I don't think Tim Cook has done a particularly great job so far. I don't. I, agree. I don't mind him as a person. I think he's quite honorable, but I think that's actually what's killing Apple right now is that he's a little bit too honest. I don't think Microsoft is going to have that problem. It seems to be a much more cutthroat and corporate culture there. Um, which is part of the problem as well, because they just run so slowly compared to everyone else. But it's just very surprising news, very interesting, surprising news. So what do you think the future of Microsoft has in store? Are we going to see a big drop-off in innovation and and ingenuity like we did with with Apple when Steve Jobs died, or are we going to see more of the same this stuff? This is going to sound like a very backhanded compliment, um, and I guess in a way it is. Uh, Microsoft has never been known for design or innovation. No, they haven't, but they... They make... They have they been make innovative, They solid though. stuff of the same. Oh, yeah, they've been innovative, but all in stuff that you never see. You never know why Windows 7 was so much better than Windows Vista, because all, most of it was behind the scenes. Yeah. They're not the flashy, you know, glossy stuff that Apple has, and that's why they're less popular. I think we will expect to see more of the same. Um, we'll probably see maybe a new direction that presses into the mobile space a little bit harder and maybe with a bit more success, hopefully. But otherwise, I think we'll see more of the same. Which is not bad for a tech company in the 21st century to have a strong, steady, more of the same company. Plus, Ballmer's no Bill Gates, and he's certainly no Steve Jobs. You know, I think they'll they'll do just fine without him. Yeah, he wasn't such... I think Alexander has a point there. He wasn't so pivotal to their success. He did a good job. I'm not decrying that at all, but I don't think it'll die without him. Who's going to fill the role of running out on stage yelling, developers, developers, developers? I don't know. They could probably hire Carrot Top. Uh, Ben Affleck. Ben Affleck. Affleck! (laughs) Developers. Developers. Developers! It sounds like something like a a Silver Age superhero would yell right as his costume appears and he's granted all his powers. Sorry, obscure reference. (laughs) No, not obscure, just not very good. Earth, wind, fire, heart, developers! (laughs) Oh, that's obscure. <laughs> Synchronize. All right. Into other CEOs, other crazy CEOs, Mike Zuckerberg got hacked. His Facebook wall got hacked. And what's really funny is the fact that it got hacked by a developer who tried to warn Facebook that this... Okay, okay I need to back up. This developer found a um, vulnerability in Facebook. And he reported it to Facebook's bug reporting thing, and they've said Twice. that if you report, yeah, if they if you report a bug to us, we'll pay you, we'll pay you for bugs. And he goes, great, because this is an issue. And no one responded back, so he wrote back again. So this is an issue. He included all this documentation, all this crazy stuff, and you know what they said? They said, um, no, that's actually working as intended. It's supposed to be that way. So he goes, well, if it's supposed to be that way, he posted as Mark Zuckerberg to Zuckerberg's own wall. Whoops. (laughs) Now, he did post, Dear Mark Zuckerberg, first, sorry for breaking your privacy and to post on your wall. I has no... Keep in mind, this is a Palestinian uh, white hat hacker. English is his second language, maybe third. Um, I has no other choice to make after all the reports I sent into Facebook team. My name is... And he goes on to describe this problem. Uh, and he was promptly told, well, now that you are a black hat, a black hat hacker, we're blocking your account and we're not paying you. Well, 
this got out, and some other people put together a fund, and he has now been paid far more than he would have been paid by Facebook anyway. I just find it funny that the only privacy hacks that ever seem to get any attention always seem to be happening to the Zuckerbergs. <laughs> have you noticed that? When his sister had those pictures posted, and when his wall gets hacked, then it's suddenly important. Yeah. Well, I think it's funny that they said that this whole hack was functioning as intended. You know, if if he was able to access Zuckerberg's bank account, would that be as intended as well? Who knows? I it, it, it kind of goes to what I've always said about these development teams. They are no more um, wise or skilled than anyone else. And sometimes they simply don't understand what it is they're doing. Yep. Maybe they didn't have five hundred dollars to spare to pay. So they 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 go about doing it this way so they can say, "Oh, you broke our rule, so we're not going to pay you." Yeah. It was like yeah. it was like Pee Wee Herman's reward. Oh, well, whoever returned the bike obviously stole the bike, so I'm not giving them the reward. <laughs> <laughs> nice reference there. Hey, I like that. <laughs> the Pee Wee Herman defense. No, that. Oh, that. There's the other one too. There, we're, we're not going to get into that one. <laughs> That's kind of a douchey move on Facebook's part, though. It, it really is. No, well, yeah. Well, everything they do is like that. Isn't yeah, it? it is. I mean, they're a douchey company that everybody hates, yet everybody is. It's a sliding scale of douche with them. Defend, yeah. A yeah, sliding no. douche scale. <laughs> we're changing Facebook again to something that you hate just because we can. And you'll forget about it five minutes later. Yeah, Schmitty, that's not a show title. I can't imagine what the Google search results would get when, no, when they hit that. No, 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 no. We might get anyway. more traffic. Who knows? No. Wrong kind of traffic. <laughs> I think the title has to do some, something to do with Affleck. So, in um, into Bitcoin news, we've been talking about this for a couple weeks now. Uh, there was the Texas judge who said that, yes, it is now an official currency. Uh, it needs to be regulated. We had the emails from Ruff saying, yeah, fat chance on that. Well, Germany has announced plans to start taxing Bitcoin transactions. And given what everyone has told about it and what limited amount we understand and what limited amount Ruff has told us, this doesn't seem like it has any more of a chance of going through than than, say, the regulations on the Federal Reserve side. Because aren't Bitcoin transactions designed so you don't know they're actually happening? And how can you receive a tax on something you didn't know happened? Well, I was going to say, don't they normally tax uh, an Internet sale based on the fact that, uh, or at least the excuse they were given? And again, I'm, I'm on a, a person who's, an, who's, a, who's strong in the this, in this standpoint, but don't they tax it based upon where you are buying it from? So here in Utah, they're trying to say, oh, if you bought it in Utah, Utah's going to try to tax you. Right. I yeah. think that's a U.S. thing. Uh, I, maybe that's I, a, yeah. I believe, I may be wrong, but I believe the only way they're going to be able to do this is if they apply the tax to e-commerce sites based out of Germany um, that accept Bitcoin for payment. Um, there's there's going to be no way outside of that for them to regulate that. And even then, it's going to be really difficult because, as we all know, Bitcoins are untraceable, unregulatable. So so you're, you're thinking it's going to have to be very limited in scope then? Very limited, yeah. That's the best example. That's the best description I've heard of it yet. Rough, prove us wrong. Uh, well, it, it also sounds like the Germans... Uh, holding to their traditional pattern of being a little overambitious, of saying, we will tax all of this service of the entire internet. We promise for a thousand years we will tax this Oh, thing. oh let's, not, let's not bring is. up that reference. <laughs> I'm just saying, they, they tend to get a little overambitious. It's, it's part of the thing. The leather pants get a little too tight. <laughs> anyway. All I can say is, that's how we do it in the fatherland. <laughs> Okay, well, now that we've lost all of our German listeners... Hey, I'm, I'm the uh, the German droid. I'm German. I'm still here. Goodbye. I'm still here. So, um... If you can't laugh at your genocidal past, what can you laugh at? <laughs> About that. Well, I'm part German. <laughs> like a 32nd German. No, no, I'm actually part German. Schmitty, with a name like Schmitty... You have to be German. It's like Smuckers. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm okay, um, 
into um, into Hell Has Frozen Over news. Absolutely. Why is Marissa Meyer, CEO of Yahoo, on a Vogue cover as a pinup? I well, swear, they're not hiring her was seriously. Yeah, well, it's just funny because she's been doing some good work, despite the fact that she advertised that they've increased their mobile presence, which is hard not to do since Yahoo has no mobile presence. Um, it actually got a huge bump this week when it managed to pull more traffic than Google. It was a 2% bump in trading as well. And and what's interesting is that, yeah, Yahoo was finally able to beat Google in the, in the amount of internet traffic. The only problem is, is Google, and this is probably their strong point, is doing much better in monetizing how their traffic is, is, is getting a return on their investment there. Right. For everything that Google does, they make mad money for. And mad money in web terms is like a few cents. But a few cents per click is still mad money. That is something that neither Microsoft... Well, Microsoft has had more success in, but Yahoo simply doesn't know how to do. It's not that Yahoo was ever a bad search engine. It's that they didn't know how to make money off of that, and so they branched out into too many other things. Yeah, this this is a good example of quality versus quantity. Uh, Yahoo, let's see, they had 197 million unique visitors, while Google had 192 million. However, of those 192 million visitors, Google probably made uh, money off of 80% of those, where Yahoo made money off of less than 1%. So quality versus quantity. (laughs) We should point out that that, uh, 14% of all statistics are made up. Including that one. Which is okay, because only 57% (laughs) of all people know that. (laughs) Now... Speaking of Google screwing things up, no, wait, the last one wasn't them screwing it up. They were, they were doing well there. There was a Google outage. The Google DNS service went down, uh, and it caused a freakout because it actually affected the worldwide Internet traffic. This is what happens when we give all the power to one company. Um, it, it, it had measurable repercussions across the globe for five minutes. Now, this may, must have been the five minutes... When I uh, when I was playing Candy Crush, because I didn't notice it, but it was big enough to be tracked across all internet agencies. Yeah, if you don't th- if you don't think five minutes is a long time, uh, just think of how many sales Amazon makes in five minutes. And, oh wow! Uh, yeah. Well, it yeah. wasn't just a drop; it was a forty percent drop. They, I mean, right. almost half the internet shut down for five minutes when Google went down. Now, my question to you is this: If this was a gas company, if this was a utility company, if this was, I don't know, a bank, whatever, and it had that much impact when you could not access their service, the services that they provided for five minutes. If the world stopped, wouldn't people be freaking out if it was some other... I mean, Zook, you mentioned a second ago, too much power. Does Google have too much power? Is this an indication that they're just too big? Um, I would say yes, but I know that most people in the world would say no. If they were a utility company, people would be saying a different thing. If they were an oil producer, for instance then, oh yeah, the UN would be involved in this. I mean, it'd be OPEC all over again. It'd be that fuel embargo of the 70s. But it's internet, and the worldwide consensus, even though it's now an inalienable human right to have internet access, it's still kind of a luxury to a lot of people. And since the Google outage did not affect a lot of uh, VoIP or telecom, international telecom, uh, those businesses aren't screaming about it. Right. It... it is a kind of an eye opener, though. Even though um, the the effect felt was really small, um, it is kind of. Uh, I mean, every time a big company like this goes down, we kind of look into the future and say, uh, we don't want we don't want Google to take over. You know, the rest of uh, the business of of the internet or the rest of the world or whatever, because look how much we depend on them now. If, for example, oil companies start depending on Google, um, airliner airliner traffic starts depending on Google, what does that mean for a five-minute blip then? Um, so it kind of puts things back into perspective. Do we want Google having as much power as they do or as much as they want to have in the future? 
I don't know, I think Schmitty's got a good point there. Because, I mean, Google clearly has ambitions to become the primary Internet service provider for every metropolitan area in the United States. And, I mean, with Google Fiber, they might just make it work. I say it's better that they're working out the kinks right now while they still have, um, you know, limited issues here, rather than having the entire country relying solely on them. That would be bad. Exactly. I worry about them being an actual telecom provider, given how long most tech companies last. Mm. Uh, to, to quote the great Harvey Dent, you know, you either uh, die the hero or live long enough to see yourself become the villain. I think Google's well on its way to fulfilling that prophecy, actually. I think you're spot That's on. Clear. <laughs> yeah. Hooray for quoting a fictional character. <laughs> they always have well the done. best lines. Well done. Uh, okay. In good Google news. <laughs> Um, uh, yes, uh, good Google, good Google news, unless you're a Windows Phone user. Um, Google Maps <laughs> is now implementing real-time incident reports from Waze. This Waze, is, of course... This is something we wanted. <laughs> well, yeah. you three wanted. Now, if you don't know, Waze is the GPS navigation app on, uh, BlackBerry, on iPhone, iOS, and Android. It's the kind of crowd-sourced one. I shouldn't say crowd-sourced, because that... It's not funded by crowdsourcing. It uses crowd-driven data uh, to pull in traffic accidents, um, speed reports, police speed traps, all sorts of different stuff. It has a social network aspect to it. It is one of the best and most accurate GPS apps out there. It's been our favorite of the week many, many times. I think all of us have done it at one point. Well, Google acquired Waze about a month ago, and... They have now pulled in Waze information directly into Google Maps and Google Now as well. So if you are a Android user or a Google user or a Waze user, awesome for you. If you're anyone else, not so great. <laughs> yeah, I think I think this is a good indication of what they were going to do with uh, Google Waze. We all um, speculated what they were going to do, and and here we're seeing the first fruits of it. Um, so far the notifications on Google Maps is just a read-only um, incident report. You can't report incidents from Google Maps. Only the Waze users can still do that. But I, I think we may start to see that functionality in Google Maps, um, or it's possible that get that Google Maps will still always only be the read-only. Now, I, I do have some other information concerning this. Unfortunately, I'm currently bound by an NDA about it. So uh, we won't go into that. But let's just say there are other repercussions to this as well. Um, Dun-dun-dun. What could into, it be? Into dumb other news. Microsoft, after asking Google to take down that pesky Microsoft.com domain, has now set a takedown notice for OpenOffice. OpenOffice is the open source office alternative um, which is, while having, having a shaky relationship with, uh, with Microsoft, has never really been on their radar for takedown. They kind of freaked, sent a request to uh, Microsoft going, can you explain this? And Microsoft said, uh, yeah, we, we're sorry, we, we didn't actually mean to do that, just ignore that. I think Microsoft needs to maybe uh, get rid of this team who's constantly taking takedown notices to everyone. It's not a good tool to use to try to camper your opponents because it's not going to work it's going to backfire on you yeah okay um into ios news this is kind of turned into a mobile one malware has come out on ios now before i mean every mobile platform has had some form of malware but before it was with dodgy jailbreak apps if you jailbroke your your cell phone you could put in a dodgy app and it had malware well, the problem is, is that this particular one got through the actual Apple App Store. There are way too many app in what I just said. Um, blah, blah, all tongue-tied. Typically, Google, uh, sorry, um, Apple's um, quality control team goes through the app, figures out what's all is on it, and then will block it or put it in there. Well, what this developer managed to do was they put out the app and it did one thing. And then they put out an innocuous update that updated their phones and completely changed the application after it was already installed on your phone, turning it into malware. 
That's this brilliant. is at once brilliantly devious and at the same time kind of alarming that the QA team didn't catch that. You think they do a follow up on the on the updates? Uh, maybe you know it, it all comes down to what your people actually end up doing, not what they were supposed to do. So it's just it, it is quite devious. It's quite uh, brilliant in how they did that. Into other weird news, San Antonio schools had uh, been talking about doing something to help track their students and make sure. Um, well, I, I guess they hadn't been talking; they actually had done it. Yeah, they actually started this. I, from what I can see, they actually had them in badges that the students were wearing. They had RFID tags, um, which you think wouldn't have been a bad thing because it's basically it's it, it's just in the it's it, it's in the badge. Some companies do this as well, uh, and essentially, it's going to keep track of where students were if they were tardy, if they were not at their school. It supposedly was going to help the teachers track down where the students were. It even got to the point of where. Someone thinking that this was the sign of the beast actually sued the school trying to get this removed. And eventually the school district decided that it's not worth it and they are going to go ahead and and drop this RFID tag idea. Not because of this lawsuit from what I understand, but because it just didn't work. When you put it in a badge, what's the student going to do? Yeah. Uh, let's put it this way. Students can't keep their books looking nice. <laughs> they can't keep their own lockers looking nice. Many of them can't keep themselves looking nice. And you're going to install RFID equipment throughout the school to track their movements. The badge you know they're not going to be wearing. <laughs> that's I mean, when yeah, you the, inject the RFID badge into their forehead. <laughs> <laughs> and that's what this person was probably worried about. And there, there was a tattoo your forehead, okay? Yeah. And there were some privacy advocates going, oh, wait a second. And I'm like, well, hold on. How is this any different from a company having an RFID tag in their, in their, in their badges? They're minors. Because you volunteer to work for it. Yeah. To work for the company. You volunteer to work for the company. You don't volunteer to go to school. It's required. Well, I'm just wondering about who the superintendent is at the San Antonio district here. George Orwell III. <laughs> well, what's he What's he thinking? Is he sitting in his office, you know, being Orwellian like a big brother type? Or is he thinking, Operation Hogwarts is go. <laughs> Step one, the Marauder's Map is a success. <laughs> you know, I mean, what's he, what's he really want to do with this? He, he was probably thinking, hey, they have to take attendance anyway. This might just make it a little bit faster. I, I, <laughs> I was probably the extent of the thought I process. Think right. I don't think anyone really had malicious intent there, but it all kind of depends on how people take it, not what your intent was. Well, and that's, again, a shock, because the people of Texas are known for um, <laughs> rational thought and embracing of science and technology. Many of the students, many of the students people, said that they would yeah. be allowed to have the... they would be happy having the RFID tags if only they were allowed to keep their guns. <laughs> okay, um, so Elon Musk, whose name I always mispronounce, um, Elon, Elon, anyway, Mr. Musk, e- Elon Musk, Tony Stark, um, <laughs> the man of the future, as it were, who has given us so many nice things, evidently is pretty brilliant in some of those designs. Now, of course, this wasn't all his, but he makes the te- he's the uh, CEO of Tesla Motor Company, the ones who make those electric cars. They have their new Model S, which is that high-performance sedan. We're talking super high-performance. It just went through its NHTSA ranks. That, that is their uh, the crash ranks that you see, those crash tests. And it has been rated the best score in their history. 5.4 stars. Which is impressive when you consider there's only five stars possible. <laughs> okay. Um, yes, it broke the scale. It did this by getting a perfect five in every single one of its tests. In fact, the rollover tests work. Uh, it tests the strength of the roll cage by placing it upside down and trying to press it against the ground. It broke the machine. The machine that was testing it, it broke it. So evidently, if you want a super safe, like safer than a Volvo, uh, high-performance electric sedan, there's really only one thing. There's really only one choice. Well, and, you know, all that space up at the front where most people would put, I don't know, an engine, uh, 
not having an engine there creates a nice little crumple area. So it's, yeah, straight up awesome. I say it calls for a Top Gear segment where uh, Clarkson, Hammond, and May try 150 different ways to demolish the Tesla. I don't think I would that sort love of to see that. <laughs> I don't think they'd have a, a segment to destroy it. I think they would just run it on a dyno for a few hours and let it die, and then they'd make fun of it. Mm. Yeah, Tesla's not very happy with Top Gear. <laughs> a couple of years ago when they had the Tesla Roadster, and Gear went for entertainment rather than uh, a really accurate test, so <laughs> owning them their new time soon. But who knows? Hmm. Might be time to let bygones be bygones, because if they can get a good review out of there, then their job's pretty much done. Okay, um... I have not read the next one, which means I'm a wonderful host, and we need to hurry through it, but Comcast has threatened to sue Torrent Freak for a copyright infringement over public documents. Yeah, there was a... uh court case lawsuit or something some some court papers were filed and and uh, torrent freak basically got hold of them and Comcast said you can't publish that but the funny thing is is it's public domain because they're not sealed court documents so you can go to the court's website and you can view the documents and now Torrent Freak is being threatened with legal action. They contacted Torrent Freak's uh, ISP or web host, I guess web host, and let them know of the infringing information that Torrent Freak had acquired. And I haven't heard an update, haven't checked for an update for a day or so, but last I heard, nobody knew what was going on. They approached Comcast and said, hey, these are public documents, and... Comcast said, oh, yeah, right. Uh, that's a good point. Hold on. We'll get back to you. Mm-hmm. So Comcast think, is being a douche. I think I, I think Comcast and all the other ISPs are just in this habit of immediately suing for anything a torrent site puts up. Mm-hmm. doesn't matter what it is. The funny thing is, Torrent Freak's not even a torrent site. They just report news regarding torrent sites. But it has torrent in the name. It does. It's enough to freak them out. That, that mm-hmm. makes it scary. I think there's great potential here for a vicious cycle. I mean, Torrent Freak gets sued, and then they upload the public domain documents from their court case. Head explode. Pandemonium ensues. It has our name in it. Yes, we we know. It's because you sued us. And your name in it is Torrent Freak. So we freak out about your torrent. All right. um, Into other weird news. Uh, This is a really weird episode. You remember the Irma Gerd um, fresco restoration that we reported on like a year ago? Uh, this is, and if you aren't familiar with it, this is the Spanish fresco uh, from like early 1900 that was on the outside of a church of the uh, of Christ, who an old lady decided to uh, help herself Restore. to restoring it and made it look <laughs> made it look like a woolly mammoth. Um, it's it's bad. It looks it's, like a Wookie. It, it's hor- Wookies are more defined than this. <laughs> well, she decided to sue for royalties. Because they people were are coming to see her it, art. Yeah. Well, <laughs> they finally have come to an agreement where they're going to split the royalties, um, and both of them donate. Both them, and by when I say both of them, I mean you know the church who actually owns the fresco that she vandalized, and the person who did the vandalism. That doesn't make any sense to me, but they're going to split the money, and. Both donated to their own charities, which is kind of dumb because the money that had been coming into the church was going in to restore the church. They were their own charity. They are a charity. Maybe I mean, maybe they still are their own charity. This is the equivalent of someone going up to your home, spray painting their tag on the wall, and then suing you for it and winning. Hmm. So, um, I guess, <laughs> hooray for European economy there. Well, she is in Spain. She probably needs all the money she can get. Yeah. Uh, also, into kind of... This isn't weird news. It's just kind of happy. But after 20 years of being off the shelves, we get some more really, really fruity, poorly sugar-laden cereals. Now, some of the older geeks amongst us will recognize these. I personally don't, because I had parents that forced mucilage down my throat. <laughs> 
<laughs> General oh, yeah. Mills that made Count Chocula and Boo Berry and Frankenberry, and they're always really popular around Halloween. Well, 20 years ago, they actually had two other cereals in this franchise, Fruit Brute and the Yummy Mummy. And those cereals this year are back. So if you've been missing those cereals, if you've been uh, if you've been missing your chocolate covered sugar bombs, here's a chance for you to go ahead and stock up again, and then probably sell them on eBay when they when they cancel them again. It's good because my twenty year supply is just about to run out. So <laughs> Schmitty started stocking up when he was eleven. There's just more spun sugar to, to feed into. <laughs> All right, into our favorites. We're gonna have to run through them fast because we got a lot of people here. Um, we have the greatest social network you didn't know you were a part of. I'm speaking, of course, of PRISM, the NSA's tracking thing. Uh, so a spoof site has popped up talking about all the wonderful benefits to being part of this. There's no ads. It's totally transparent. All your friends are already on it. All your information's already there. Um, just sign up now. Oops, sorry, there's already a username. By this, there's already by this username. It's a really clever little thing. Um, obviously, it's not real. They're just trying to bring up the whole prison thing. But it's a really quite humorous way to take a look at the prison debacle that's happened. Just think of it as the most successful and largest and most well-developed social network you didn't know you were on. Okay, my favorite this week is a little bit different. Uh, most people don't think of alarm clock apps uh, being pretty but I have one for you that is. It's called Timely, and it is amazingly beautiful. It goes to show that Hollow on Android doesn't have to be boring. It can actually be really nice. Uh, there's a ton of themes, some subtle background movements, uh, but then in addition to looking pretty, it's actually got some really good features. I've been using it for the last week. The alarm clock uh, is great. You can use it to snooze, or it's easy to snooze, or if you don't like to wake up, you can do math to like turn the alarm off, which my alarm would never go off if I yeah. set it to that. Yeah, it's, it's, it's to make sure you wake up. Yes. So no! <laughs> yeah, it's it's actually a really, really cool app. Uh, I've recommended it to a couple of my neighbors, and they all love it. Uh, so check it out. If you're an Android person, give it a go. See what you think. You got me using it, too. <laughs> it's good. All right, despite the fact that uh, I am posting this as my favorite, no, I did like Star Trek Into Darkness. There were some problems with it, but I'm not a, I'm not a, I'm not a hater. But Honest Trailer uh, and how it should have ended teamed up to do an Honest Trailer for Star Trek Into Darkness. If you have not seen this yet, watch it. It is one of their most hilarious Honest Trailers that they have done in a long time, including the very, very well-done ending on this. Check it out. And my favorite comes from our friends at, on YouTube, uh, Minute Earth. Uh, the title is Science, Religion, and the Big Bang. Uh, it's really educational and entertaining. Um, as you can tell from the title, um, it's probably going to raise some controversy. Uh, but it's, uh, it's really good. So check it out. And my favorite is the trailer that was released uh, actually last week for the online component of Grand Theft Auto V. Which looks like it's based on game. Looks like an MMO essentially set inside of the Grand Theft Auto world. So I'm taken to retitling it Grand Theft Auto V Online. Goodbye, kids. <laughs> And my favorite is a 1,600-year-old Roman chalice that was infused with ancient nanotech... Uh, excuse me, nanotechnology. This sounds like a comic book title. I know. It's pretty amazing when you take a look at it. it uh, I mean, you can shine a light at it from the front, and it's green. Shine a light at it from behind, and it's red. And it's because of ancient nanotechnology. They infused the glass of the chalice with uh, uh, microscopic particles of silver and gold that were ground down to... Uh, one thousandth the size of a grain of salt, and people are, are looking at it today thinking that this previously unknown ancient nanotechnology may help them in developing uh, better modern nanotechnology to maybe detect pathogens in bodily fluids or thwarting terrorists that are trying to sneak in uh, fluids into uh, airports or whatnot. Because they'll appear green. Yeah. Or red, depending on where they're coming from. Uh, or right. red. If they're green or red, they're a terrorist. That's not racist. Okay. Um, Gives whole new meaning awesome. to the term profiling. Yeah. yeah. Mm. 
I'm naturally green. <laughs> this comes from my father's side. He was Roman. Yes, he was Roman. All right, well, that is our show this week. Again, we want to hear what you think. Feedback at SkullandDroids.com. Special thanks again to our sponsors and Salt Lake Comic Con. Hope to see you there in a couple weeks. Um, until next time, cheers. End of line. One to beam up. Good day. May the force be with you. Always. Always.